Hi, welcome to our podcast. To learn more about Liverpool One Church, join us live, give financially and to get involved, head to liverpoolonechurch.com. We believe God wants to do great things in and through your life today. Enjoy this message. Lights, camera, action. Get ready, get ready, get ready. The people are coming. Get the chair set. Make sure the room is clean. Test the sound. Fix the mics. Create the moment. Write the message. Get the shot. Upload the footage. Make sure the people are talking about the next big event. But wait. Slow down. Rewind. What am I doing again? Why am I here? Why am I so focused on this, the gathering, the church? Because who is this all about? It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about him. It's always been about him. Just him. Just Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. The one who stood in the fire with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego so that the flame would never harm them. The one who stood by me when I was at death's door. When I was in the storm, when my heart was broken and I didn't know when and where I would see my joy again. When my feet were sinking in sand so deep that I gave up myself, there was no one else but him. In the midst of it all, it was just Jesus. So forget about the lights, the chairs, the aesthetic in the room and remember why we're here. Not for anyone else. We're here for him. We're here because of him. Just him. Just Jesus. Wow, just Jesus. Welcome to you in person. Welcome to all of those watching online also. We just love that we get together and we get to gather under one name, and that is the name of Jesus. And, you know, we're going to talk to you around these few words over the next couple of weeks, the words just Jesus, because I don't know how it is for you in your life, but I know that for me, every time I turn the news on, every time I open the app, every time I'm having a conversation with someone at the moment, it's bad news. (laughs) It's pretty negative news out there. All we hear about is what is going wrong, what is not working, what is not right, what we could you know, not look forward to. Every time the news is feeding us, and yet, as the news gets louder, it would seem to me that we who are the ones who know the name of Jesus and know the power in the name of Jesus and know that Jesus is the answer, the truth, the light and the way and the one who changes not, it seems to me as though the church is getting quieter. And so over these next coming weeks, we're going to talk just about Jesus. The very reason that we're here today, the very reason we drag our bodies out of bed on a Sunday morning, the very reason that we gather together in one accord is just about Jesus. And I think so often we can articulate the church. We can tell people about church We can describe the church and what the meeting is like and the functioning and the running of the church. But I wonder, is someone to ask you about Jesus? How well could you talk about him, the person of Jesus, the character, the nature of Jesus? You know, I think it would be much easier if Jesus had an Instagram account You know, and every time somebody asks, you could just share his profile. That would be much easier, wouldn't it? You know, just just have a look at this highlight reel on his story and it'll tell you everything you want to know about Jesus. Well, Mark Zuckerberg, he thought he had 
you know, had revolutionised our lives when he hit our world in 2003 with Facebook, the first social media account. And for the first time ever, there was a platform that you could load information about yourself, that you could give detail of your life and you could send it around the world in moments. But what Mr. Zuckerberg did not realise is that God was 2,000 years ahead of him because 2,000 years just prior, when Jesus ascended into heaven to be with the Father, God said, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit into the lives and the hearts of those who believe in, the, in my son called Jesus and you are going to send him viral. He said, I'm going to give you the power of the Holy Spirit and I'm going to give it onto the platform called the life of man. And you're going to send the name of the Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the one who is quicker, smarter and way more reliable than broadband, BT, talk, talk, flipping, Virgin Sky, whatever it is, the, the social media, the, 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 the internet um, server that you use, the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. God said, I'm going to use that through the lives of ordinary men. And this is what happened because the disciples were the first ones. And in Mark 16, they were told, go into the world and spread the news. How did 12 men spread the news to the world? But they did because it went viral in, in Acts 13. And the word was being spread throughout the whole region. In Luke 9, they began going throughout the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. In Acts 6, the word of, the God kept, the word of God kept spreading and the number of the disciples continued to increase greatly. In Mark 1, immediately the news about him spread everywhere. Luke 4, and the report about him was spreading to every locality and surrounding district. In Acts 12, the word of the Lord continued to grow and be multiplied. In Matthew 9, they went out and they spread the word about him throughout the land. Jesus went viral. He was the most popular, most highly profile, talked about person that had ever been. And it all happened on a platform called A Day in the Life of the Ordinary Man. A platform we don't really use very much today. A platform that we deem as boring and flat and, 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 and can pretty much retire because we think that people are only going to be interested in our lives if they're pimped to death. If they are, you know, um, exaggerated somewhat. If we've put a filter over them, if we've added to them. But let me tell you, God still wants to use the life of the ordinary day man. He still wants to show his greatness and his power. And, the, and he still wants to profile his son Jesus through your ordinary everyday life. And so the purpose of this series over the next coming weeks is that it'll teach you something of the character of Jesus and it will inspire you to be more like him. And maybe we can send his name viral once again in a world that knows no joy right now. So throughout the New Testament, there are all sorts of ways that we get an insight and a glimpse into the person of Jesus, who he was, what he was like. We can learn from his habits and his disciplines. We get an understanding of the knowledge and we, we get some knowledge of the character and we understand what God is like through the stories that Jesus told and the parables that he told and the miracles that he did. The Bible is also very clear on the character of Jesus, the attributes about him. What was he like? 
He's called kind and gracious and loving and caring. And the Bible describes him as being one who is slow to anger. He's quick to bless and build others up. This is how it talks about Jesus. He's forgiving towards others. But there is one word that I want to major on today that describes the character of Jesus. And it's a word that we don't really use a lot today. And I think we don't use it because we don't have much understanding of it. I think it's a word that we would deem as being old-fashioned. It's not a well-used word. And that is the word joy. It's not a word that we use all the time. In fact, if you take the word joy and you take the word Christian and put them together, somewhere in the middle, you've got Ned Flanders. And that's the image most people conjure up when they think of Christianity. It's like, you know, socks and sandals, joy, 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 down in my heart, never have a problem. The cheesy old, good old Christian that fakes the way through everyday life. That is not what joy is. We don't have a true understanding of what joy is because joy is not a feeling. It is not an emotion. It is a absolute steadfast confidence that no matter what I'm going through, God has got me. That's what true, the true meaning of joy actually is. We're familiar with feelings of happiness. And we try and think that happiness and joy are are sort of one and the same. And they are not, for happiness is a fake friend. Happiness visits your life. If the conditions are right, happiness will pay you a visit. If the marriage is good and the kids are behaving and the relationship is on track, if there is money in the account and a holiday penciled in on the calendar, then happiness will visit your life. But happiness is a selfish guest. And as soon as there is a problem on the horizon, happiness will leave as quickly as happiness came. But joy is something completely different. For joy wants to take up permanent residency in your heart. It wants to take up a permanent residency in your life. For joy is like, um, it's like perpetual gladness of heart. It's steadfast, it is secure, it is certain. Because joy is not based on who you are. Neither is it based upon how you feel. But joy is based on who He is. His character and His attributes. So it's not about you finding joy in your heart. It's about him allowing him to put his joy in you. Joy is an inward peace that is not affected by your outward circumstances. It doesn't mean we won't have problems. We will. It doesn't mean we won't go through difficulties because we will. Being full of the joy of the Lord is not being in denial of the reality of what you're going through. But it is a steadfast confidence. It is a hope and it is an expectation that my life is anchored to an immovable rock who changes not. Therefore, though the world may be turbulent around me, therefore, though the situation I'm facing might not be great, I can remain steadfast and at peace on the inside because I have joy. To understand the definition of the word joy, we must look at how Jesus used it. And in John 17, he said, I've come to you that you may be full 
of my joy. And when I read that, that you may be full of my joy, it made me realise that there must be times in our lives when we're not full of joy. There must be seasons of our life when we are running on empty. Jesus wants to fill your life with his joy. And I know for me that any time that my problems become greater, that I feel anxious, where I'm feeling overcome, when I'm feeling overwhelmed, I know it's a sign that my joy is diminishing. The, uh, the prophet Nehemiah, he put it like this. He said, the joy of the Lord is my strength. It's your strength. Joy is not a wishy-washy, happy, clappy word, people. Joy is the strength of the Lord in your life. You could take the word joy out of the Bible and you could replace it with the word strength. When the angels came and announced to the shepherds and said, joy to the world, the Lord has come. What they were saying is not like, let's sing a Christmas carol. They were saying, hey, people, you don't know. The answer to your life has come. His name is strength. And he wants to come and live with you so that you can face your tomorrow. He wants to come and live with you so you can live as an overcomer. So you can be greater than the problem that you face. And so Nehemiah is saying, if the joy of the Lord is my strength, then it's his strength that I need to get through my everyday life. His strength fuels me so I can keep on going because I know I can't do it by myself. I know I can't keep going on my own ideas and my own plans. So I need fuel. You know, when your body needs fuel, it gets hungry. You have to feed it so it has strength to keep on going. Your car needs fuel. It needs petrol to be able to motion forward. Do you know your spirit man needs a fuel to be able to keep on going, to be able to cope with what is ahead? And that fuel is called joy. And anytime your tank runs empty, you stop. Anytime your fuel runs out, your passion runs out. Anytime your fuel runs out, your peace runs out. Anytime your fuel runs out, your hope runs out. And so if joy is the fuel that we need to stay spiritually strong, to be an overcomer, to cope with what is ahead, then what is the indicators that I need to look out for that my joy is running low? How do I keep my tank filled up and how do I stop joy running out? I know I need to eat when my stomach is hungry. I know the car needs fuel because I see the gauge getting low. So what is the gauge that I need to look for that my joy is running low? Well, I want to take you to a story that's found in John 2. And through this story, I want to be able to give you a picture of what it looks like for you when your joy or my joy is running low. And it's a, a story of a wedding feast. It's the first time we're going to see Jesus ever do a miracle. And he's not supposed to be doing a miracle at this particular time because heaven had an allocated time for him to start his ministry on the earth and it was not yet. But he's at this wedding party. And the Bible tells us that he's there with his friends and his family. And we know from Jewish culture that these wedding feasts went on for five to seven days. 
I mean, you know, I think of all the weddings we've got coming up this year and I love you all and all of that, but I am glad they don't go on for five to seven days. I don't know how you budget or plan for a feast over five or seven days. That's outside of my skill set. But quite obviously, it was outside of the skill set of this party planner too, for the unthinkable happened at this party and they ran out of wine. Now, a Jewish host could actually have been sued for breach of hospitality to his guests for running out of wine. Because the wine was significant. The wine was the provision of the wine by the host was a gift to the guests. And so it was considered a really big deal or shameful for the wine to run out. Now, Jesus' mother hears that the wine has run out of the party. And in verse two, in verse three, sorry, of John two, it says, when the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus went to him and said, Jesus, they have no wine left. And Jesus said to her, mother, what has this got to do with me? My time has not yet come. And his mother ignored him, turned to the servants and says, whatever he tells you to do, just do it. And I love this dialogue between the mother and her grown up sons. And I think I love it because that's the stage of life where I'm at. So I completely get, you know, she's like, the wine's run out. I'm sure we can fix this. And then she's like, oh my gosh, I gave birth to the saviour of the world. Like the miracle maker, the wonder worker. Like, where is he? Oh, he's over there with his friends. And so she goes over and she's like, hiya, John, hiya, Peter, hiya, Jesus. They've run out of wine. And he's there trying to look all cool with his friends. And he's just with gritted teeth. He's like, mother, what has this got to do with me? Like, not now, woman. And um, I just love her confidence. She turns to the servants and she said, he's going to tell you to do something. Whatever he tells you to do, just do it. And this is just a little side note. This is just a little divert to what I actually want to major on today. But I love the fact that the problem was not of any importance to Jesus at all. But his mother was. And because of who she was to him, he answered her request. And I just want to say to some of you here, might be a bit of a newsflash, Jesus ain't as bothered about your problem, by the way, as you are. But Jesus is bothered about you. And because of who you are to him, he's going to answer your request because you matter to him, he's going to open some doors for you to go through. Because you matter to him, he's going to put some people in your world who are going to help you. Because you matter to him, he's going to bring some provision into your life that wouldn't already automatically be there. This was no big miracle, right? This was not the raising of the dead or, or opening blind eyes. This was just like the wines run out, the party. The, the miracle in itself, the thing, the request was not a big thing. But listen... God isn't bothered about your problem, but he's bothered about you. And because it's you who's asking, he's going to do it. And that's just a little side note today. But Jesus tells the servants, he says, the six empty, um, the six empty 30 gallon water butts over there, I want you to go fill them all up with water and take it to the master of ceremonies. And the miracle that happened was that the servants went and they took these huge vats and they filled them with water and they took it to the master of ceremonies, still as water. But when they poured it out and gave it to him and he drank it, it was the sweetest, finest Chateau Neuf de Pape that the guy had ever tasted. 
Jesus had done a miracle. But this is what I want you to see. The running out of the wine would have been shocking if the party guests had found out. Not because they wanted to get intoxicated and swing from the chandeliers. That is not what was happening here. For getting drunk in this Jewish culture would have been a disgrace. That is not what the party was about. But the wine was symbolic. And in the Jewish culture, the wine was symbolic of joy. So for the wine to run out at the party, they would have been conveying a message, our joy has run out. They would have been sending a message saying, there is no joy in this celebration. There is no joy in this union. There is no joy in this place. There is no point of us gathering together if there is no joy. And though we are not given the reasons as to why the wine ran out at the party, we can assume on a couple of different reasons. And so as we assume on the reasons why the wine ran out, maybe these could be the reasons why your joy runs out. And the first thing that I want to assume on is maybe the wine ran out because the vessel that was containing it was leaking. Maybe there was a split in the side of the barrel. Maybe there was an unseen hole. And though they kept topping the barrel up with wine, the good stuff was leaking out because it was an unseen hole. And if there's a hole where the good stuff can leak out, it's also an opening where contamination can get in. If we were to apply this of our own lives to our own lives, then every time you make it a compromise to your faith, every time you make a compromise as a believer, you're letting a hole where the good stuff is running out and contamination can get in. You know, some of you do life like a chameleon. You merge and you camouflage and you become like the environment that you're in, wherever that is. You just become like the people that you are around. But let me tell you, if you are a follower of Christ, there needs to be a difference between the way you do your life and the way people in the world do their lives. There needs to be a marked difference. So if you are a follower of Christ, be a diligent follower of Christ. If you have to be different around your friends on a Sunday to your friends in the office on a Monday, you've got a hole in the vessel of your life and you're leaking. And as you're leaking, the good stuff is leaving and contamination is getting in. If your language needs to change according to the set of friends that you are hanging around with, you speak one way around your Christian friends, but you speak a different way around your, your, um, your work friends or your outside friends, then you've got a hole and you're leaking. And the good stuff is leaving every time. Anger is driving you. You're leaking. Every time jealousy consumes you, there's a hole in the vessel of your life. And when the good stuff is getting out, it means contamination is getting in. You know, when you open your fridge, you know something is off before, because you can smell it, right? Before you can see it. And you know, there's something in this fridge and I need to find it, it's off. And when you've allowed contamination in your life, it's not very long before people can sense there's something off with you. 
Your conversation is off. Your attitude is off. Your language, it's off. And people can sense it on you and people can see it on you. And so we've got to take responsibility of our own life because some of you, you don't understand. You're like, I'm coming to church, which is great. And I'm standing in the service with my arms raised high and I'm reading my Bible. But you are not full of the joy of the Lord because you've got a leaking vessel. Because when you leave this environment and go into the next, you change to become like the next environment that you're going to step into. We have to take a responsibility. Plug up your hole, so to speak, said the pastor. Plug up your hole and deal with the leak. Find out where it's coming from. You know, we had a leaking um, roof in our foyer a couple of months ago. And during the heavy rainy season, the rain was coming into the building and we could have looked at a building this size and we could have said, you know what, well, an auditorium this size, what does a few leaky holes matter? But if we had ignored them, then over time, what was outside would have got inside and mold will have started to grow and contamination would have started to take place and everything that was good on the inside would have began to get destroyed from a few small holes, let me tell you. Small holes make a huge difference when you're trying to walk a Christian walk. So we have to be diligent to take care of the holes. The wine could have run out at the party because of uninvited guests. Uninvited guests, gate crashes at the party. If you're going to a party, you're going usually because you've had an invitation. And if you've had an invitation, then you have to RSVP. And then when you get to the party, you are allowed in if your name is on the guest list. Because whoever has been invited to the party has been catered for. But if you're not invited to the party and you just turn up, well, we haven't catered for you. So maybe they had gate crashes at the party. You know, when I was 18 years old, my parents did that thing, you know, where they went on holiday for the first time on their own and they left me with the house. And I did what most 18-year-olds do and I decided to have a party. And I thought this was a great idea. And I invited my closest friends, some old school friends and people in our neighbourhood. And somebody said to me at the party, Emma, there is a mass of people coming up the hill towards your house. I said, well, they won't be coming here because I haven't invited them. And unbeknownst to me, somebody had gone into our local town where there was a small wine bar come club thing and given my address to the DJ who had announced it over the microphone that upon closing hours tonight, um, there will be a party at this address. And I can see my parents laughing because I don't think I've ever even told them this story. So I do apologise The house survived. But a wave of people came into my home that I had no clue who they were. Like somebody opened the door and they all came in and they all made themselves perfectly at home, perfectly comfortable in my space. I hadn't catered for these people. I hadn't made provision for these people. I didn't know who they were. They began to make me feel uncomfortable in what should have been my safe place. And some of you are running out of wine in your life. You're running out of joy because you're, you're entertaining some uninvited guests. 
You're entertaining some thoughts. You're entertaining some people that have just invited themselves into your life, but you didn't ask for them. You're now living according to somebody else's opinion, but you didn't ask for that opinion. They just decided they were going to give you their opinion. And now it's formulating how you think and how you go about life. It's an uninvited guest. You didn't ask for it. You know when somebody tells you something and puts a thought in your mind that you'd never thought before, and now you start to behave in a way because of what they've said, that's an uninvited guest, and it drains you. Some of your uninvited guests, they're people who don't have any respect for you. Some of you have got friends in your world who use you. You know what? It's time for you to find your voice and say, you know what? We're not going to be doing lunch. We're not going to be hanging out together. It's not the type of friendship that I want in my world. It's an uninvited guest. We've got to get better at spotting and identifying uninvited guests into our life. Because if you don't, they will drain you. They will pull on your good nature. You will never feel comfortable or okay in their presence because they mistreat you. Uninvited guests dump their gossip on you. Uninvited guests make you feel unwelcomed in your own environment. And uninvited guests outstay their welcome. It's always the ones you never invited to the party who are left lingering at the end. You know what? It's time that we showed some people the front door of our life. It's time that we showed some thought patterns the front door. Because if you don't, there will come a time when you say, my wine has run out. Like, I'm just flat. I am done. I go to church. I read my Bible. I pray but I am miserable and I am exhausted and I am tired doing life. It's because you've been giving your time and your energy to uninvited guests. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. He made you with intention. There is something specific you need to be doing with your life and you know what that is. You know when you're doing that specific thing because it energises you and it refreshes you. But we give so much of our time and our attention to uninvited guests that we do life tired and fatigued. Why? Because we've run out of resources. Because we haven't got what it takes. So keep your life full of joy and don't allow others to take of your good nature. The third and final reason why they could have run out of wine at this party is because of inconsiderate guests. Now, inconsiderate guests, they have a right to be at the party, but they are just selfish consumers. Inconsiderate guests, they would be the ones who go and drink all the wine for themselves and they're not sharing it out and handing it around. Inconsiderate guests, you know when you're entertaining an inconsiderate guest because all they want to talk about is themselves. Like the whole conversation is about me and my problem and what I'm going through. And talk, 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 talk about yourself. That's what an inconsiderate guest is. People in the, you can have people in your world who are good people, but they're not necessarily good for you. They can be draining on you because their relationship is take, 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 
take. They want your time. They want your attention. They want your conversation. They want your friendship. They want your advice. But they just consume without ever giving anything back. You know when you're giving out to people... It's supposed to re-energize you. It's supposed to refresh you. That's what the Christian walk is about, is that we help one another. But there are some people who just diminish your joy. You give out and you give out, but they are never satisfied. They are never full. Therefore, they listen to your advice, but they don't take on board your advice. You give them encouragement, but they're still flat. You give of your time, abundance of your time, but over time, they never change because they take. For these are people who live life as a consumer of the things of God rather than being consumed by who God is. You know, all through the Bible, we can see all through the New Testament of people who loved Jesus, passionately loved Jesus. But even more were the people who just loved Jesus for what He could do for them. And there's a marked difference. And you know what? We've got to look out for people in our world. Look out for people who want to be consumed by God. I'll help anyone who wants to be consumed by God. Don't just be a consumer. And people who are consumers of God, they just take, take, take from your life. These people want a quick fix. They don't want to get to know the person of Jesus for themselves. They just want a quick fix. Can you pray for me? Can you find a scripture for me? Can you get an answer for me? You know, these are people who say, I text you, but you didn't respond. I rang you and you didn't pick up. I went through a problem and you weren't there. Where were you? Taking, taking. You have a responsibility to guard the door of your life. Who you let in. Who you allow to influence you. Who you need to protect yourself from. In order for you to stay full of the joy of the Lord, and in order for the Lord to be your strength, then your barrel has got to stay stoked. You've got to keep a full heart. We have a responsibility to govern and to monitor and guard the vessel of your life with intention so that your joy remains full. For when you live a life that is disciplined, others are going to look on and say, how do you keep your peace? Where do you get your wisdom? How have you got so much strength? How do you keep going when you're facing what you're facing? And you're going to be able to say, just Jesus, just Jesus, for the joy of the Lord is my strength. I want to pray over each and every one of us in here today. Because I think, you know, in a world where we're doing life right now, we need to be full of the joy of the Lord. We need to have an absolute confidence that He is in control. It's not what the media says. It's not what, you know, the latest thing that pops on my phone says. In order to be full of the joy of the Lord, you need to be able to have that confidence to be able to speak into someone else's life. People don't want your opinion. People don't want your good wishes. 
People don't want your hopeful thoughts. You know what the world needs? Just Jesus. The world needs to know that your life is founded on a joy that they can have too. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that you can take that message and apply it to your life. Also, don't forget to take a moment to subscribe, rate and review this podcast. To get connected or stay more connected to the life of Liverpool One Church and learn how you can join us live, visit liverpoolonechurch.com. Thanks again for joining us and we hope to see you again soon.